0: sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. When it comes to the Catholic Church, the Pope is in charge. Says who? That's what we're going to be talking about today on Ignition. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to set your faith ablaze so that you might live the adventure that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Before we get into the authority of the Pope, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, if you have ideas for future episodes, please contact us. The easiest way to do so is by email, and the address is ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Uh, I'm joined in studio once again by Renee. Grant. How are you doing, Renee?
1: I'm great. I feel like I just saw you.
0: Um, the, <laughs> some bad, like we just recorded last week's episode joke. Is that? Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It well, is. you did just see me because I was sitting here just a second ago. Yeah. So. I always
1: wonder what people think when they watch a couple episodes in the row or something. Right. They're like, they're wearing the exact S- same, same thing. Close. Like, it's been a week. Well,
0: We went for the church. There's just not a lot of, lot of money right. for wardrobe, right. so We so
1: only have a couple of outfits. outfits. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> or we can only do laundry every so often. Right. So... <laughs> Uh, no no no. Uh so Ew. Renee, we've we've been talking about well we've been talking about the pope. This will be the third week where the pope mm-hmm. has come up in mm-hmm. Wednesday and not Pope Francis necessarily in particular just the papacy. Right. Uh the office of 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 the pope, the bishop of Rome. We, a couple weeks ago we started off talking about infallibility in the church in general, we included mm-hmm. papal infallibility. Yeah, last week we answered the question, well, so are popes always right? right. Then um
1: we attempted to answer that we question. We attempted to answer the question.
0: <laughs> Hopefully we did. So if you did have a chance to go back and listen, not that you have to listen to episodes 491 no. and 492 um, on your favorite podcast app or YouTube, the Sioux Falls Diocese uh, YouTube channel, SF Diocese. Um, you can find those episodes. <clears throat> Again, you don't need, though, to have listened to those to... Um, make sense of what we're talking about today, which is basically where does this authority come from? Mm -hmm. So the Catholic church says that the Pope has universal jurisdiction uh, over the church on earth. The Catholic church just rule out some, like some easy um, toss ups. What do you do? Uh I
1: don't know where you're going.
0: Uh, An easy softball. Yeah. 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 It opens up. (laughs) Okay. Whatever. Um, This does not. So Jesus Christ is God. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ established the church. Uh the church belongs to God. Right. Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So when the Catholic church says that the pope is the leader of the church just the caveats. <laughs> well, I mean, but Jesus is also well, leader yes. of the church on earth. Yes. So that's where, it's so his representative. Is, exactly. There. How and, about that? And we're going to be talking okay, about good. that today. But I just want, right off the gate, in case folks are listening and maybe um, they've thought or heard that before, want to be clear when, say, the Pope um, has universal authority jurisdiction, this is all, not absolute. God has the absolute mm-hmm. authority, but we do believe, and we'll argue whether well, there's good re- reasons to think, um, that God has delegated authority- to the Pope, right. and frankly, to all the bishops. Right, we're going to get into that. So, the Catholic Church says that the Pope, though, has again delegated authority um, over the Church throughout the world, mm-hmm. the Universal Church. Um, this is this is obviously a sticking point for a lot of Christians, and it can be a sticking point for Catholics too. Yeah. Who does he think he or is? Or people who
1: are maybe thinking about becoming Catholic. It can right. be a hurdle.
0: Exactly. It can be a hurdle, can be an obstacle. So we want to do what we can to explain what the church teaches, but even more specifically where we get this idea that the Pope has the sort of authority mm-hmm. that we say he has. Mm-hmm. Um, and the short answer is Jesus.
1: Jesus said so.
0: Jesus said so. <laughs> Renee's favorite answer. Favorite. Why do we do this? Because Jesus, Jesus, said, Jesus so. said so. So what we're going to be doing is looking in particular at some of the biblical evidence. And you can find so uh papacy, papal, P-A-P-A-C-Y, P-A-P-A-L, um, apologetics. So if you search for, you know, uh Catholic answers, of course. Catholic.com yes. mm-hmm. has all sorts of re- but there are all sorts of books, articles, videos, podcasts, um being have, that have been and are being being produced all the time, mm-hmm. so it's not like anything that we're going to say in this episode of Ignition is new. Right. But for those of you who maybe are listening right now, maybe it'll be new to you, but right. we want you to know that this is just—I mean—the tippiest, tippy, tip-top of the iceberg <laughs> yep. that is the church's teaching and people's explanation of the church's teaching about the 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 basis for the the pope's authority. Yep.
1: And let me say from my own experience, it's actually good to hear this kind of stuff over and over because it helps you remember it yep. when you need it. Because yep. sometimes you need it <laughs> exactly.
0: So we're gonna just do a couple basics about what we see about Peter in the New Testament, and then we're gonna focus on a few passages in particular. Okay. Sound good for yep. an acre Sounds good, okay. Sounds great. So first of all, uh, every time I think this, is, we read in the Gospels that Jesus calls his apostles. Mm-hmm. So he's got his. Hundreds, thousands of disciples at a certain point, but early on he called some of them to become his apostles. Right, uh, and invariably one of them is named first. You want to guess which one of Gee. them is named? Think like it might but it could be possi- Peter. It's Peter. Okay, so- or
1: Simon. Is actually named right. first.
0: He, right, he, his 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 birth name <laughs> yeah. his name his given name was Simon. She's gonna yep. change that. We're gonna see what that's all about uh, today, but Simon is always named first, and and sometimes even um, right now I, I didn't look it up, and I want not take time to to find it, up. It's either Mark or Matthew. Say, and 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 these are those who we called first Simon, who was called Peter. Mm-hmm. Da, 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 da than the others, but that first there is sort of redundant. Well, obviously he's first because he's the first one listed. So again, whether it's Mark or Matthew, I can't remember right now, but by saying first Simon, there, there it's, it's a, it's a hint, a strong hint that Simon is first. He has some degree of preeminence Mm -hmm. and we see this throughout the gospels and throughout acts, the apostles. Time and time again, Peter is the spokesperson, the spokesman for the apostles. Mm-hmm. Time and time again, when Peter asks, hey, apostles, a question, or he says something to them, he's it, it, it's Simon who responds, right. whether he answers Jesus' question or replies to Jesus' statement. It's Simon Peter who responds. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Simon in Acts of the Apostles who... Um, sort of leads the charge in replacing um, Judas. Right. We're going to look at that, hopefully, right. if we have time. Um, it's Simon who is named more than any other apostle uh, in Acts of the Apostles, and I think the Gospels as well. Um, it's Simon... We, so, a couple weeks ago, Renee, on Biblical Bites with Doctor B, as part of Catholic Views, um, we uh, it was the baptism of the Lord, the mm-hmm. last day of the Christmas mm-hmm. season, and the second reading from, was from Acts, I think, chapter ten. Okay, and it was about Cornelius. Oh, right. And you didn't know who Cornelius was. I did was. not. But do you remember what we talked about on that? Oh, asking you to remember something. I what? Know. What a foolish S- question. Silly,
1: silly Bergwald.
0: So Cornelius, <laughs> the, the, the 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 whole thing that happens with Cornelius in 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 uh, Acts of the apostles is he's the first Gentile mm. who is admitted explicitly admitted into the church. He's baptized and those with him and so on. It's Peter who brings Gentiles oh. into the church. Even though Paul is the one who rightly becomes known as the apostle of the Gentiles, mm-hmm. Peter was the one. Peter was the one who the Lord um, moved, inspired, directed to actually make this happen, right. and then Paul sort of runs with it. Right. So. Peter has, um, authority, right? All the, all of the apostles have authority, but Peter is definitely the leader of the church in the early church. Now, so while Jesus is on earth, um, and after the ascension, I want to be clear here again, this doesn't mean that Peter is perfect, that Peter is without sin. It doesn't mean that Peter is impeccable. Uh, in in Galatians chapter two, Paul recounts an an instance in which Peter was um he was trying to curry favor with 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 one group of Christians, one group of Jewish Christians, the Judaizers. So he's acting in such a way that called into question some things that that had already been decided mm-hmm. about how how what Gentiles had to do coming to the church and so on. Right. And, and Paul tells us, I rebuked Cephas to his face. Cephas mm-hmm. is the Aramaic version of Peter. Peter. We'll talk about that later too. He, so Paul rebuked Peter. Right. So we, ta- so we talked last time how popes aren't always right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people can be called to challenge the pope with respect, with love, with right. obedience. So, but Paul rebukes Peter. Peter's actions were wrong. And he was rightly rebuked by his brother apostle, even though he is the prince of the apostles. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that, that's a general thing. Now, we see that more explicitly um, in a few passages in particular. Uh, and I was going to go in one order, but I'm going to go in a different order. Okay. Now. Um, so in, in um, John, at the end of John's gospel, John chapter 21, it's after the resurrection uh, there's this famous passage um, where uh, they're having breakfast. Jesus serves brunch, fish <laughs> over a fire, uh, bread, I think, too, on uh, the shores of uh, the Sea of Tiberius, uh, and and we see this this back and forth. One, this is this is John chapter twenty one, verse fifteen and following. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, S- uh, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He, Jesus, said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time, he, Jesus, said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you fastened your own belt and walked where you would, but when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will fasten your belt for you and carry you where you do not wish to go. He said this to show by what death he was to glorify God. And after this, he said to him, follow me. So I read the whole thing there. The end thing is a beautiful anticipation of how Peter would die mm-hmm. um, crucified. Uh, the, the historical uh, indications are that Peter was crucified like Jesus was, but Peter asked to be crucified upside down. This, right. the, the accounts tell us because he was not worthy to be crucified. Because
1: right side up explored. isn't bad
0: enough. apparently. <laughs> right. But... <laughs> What does Jesus say to Simon? Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. Mm-hmm. So he's telling him, "I've Peter, I've got a flock." Uh, so he's not talking about uh Jesus' literal lambs. Right. His he's talking about his talking about his followers. And he tells Simon Peter explicitly to feed and tend the lambs.
1: Not the other the apostles.
0: He doesn't say just
1: right. He does do have that hey, authority. Guys. He
0: doesn't say all, but right. to Simon in particular way right. he says that. Right. Okay. That tells us something. Mm -hmm. Again, what I said already is, is given very clear indication right here that Simon has a unique, all, all the apostles have some authority and leadership, but Simon has a preeminence among them.
1: And to me, it's, it's uh, even more obvious because it's actually in the gospel. He actually like that was, you said that was John. He made a point of writing that in there to indicate that.
0: Exactly. He did. Yeah. To make it clear. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, because yeah, the, Simon's the beloved disciple. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, John, John, John is John is the beloved disciple. If anybody were at a human level, Jesus' <laughs> favorite, it probably would have been John. Right, but it's not John that Jesus said these words to, right. and John tells us that. And in John his gospel. could
1: have made it himself. He wrote the well, thing. And, and, I mean, but he that could would have, have been have. wrong because right. that's not what happened. But I, but, I, but yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if he wanted to do that, he could have. Right. But he knew that it was Peter.
0: Yep, exactly. Yeah. So the second one, the previous gospel, Luke, Luke chapter twenty-two, verses thirty-one and thirty-two. So this is at the Last Supper. Okay. Um, And I'm going to use a certain kind of American accent to make a grammatical point. Oh, this is going to be fun. Don't get too excited (laughs) here, people in the studio. (laughs) Simon, Simon, but I'm not going to use an accent. I'm going to yeah. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have y'all that he might sift y'all like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brethren.
1: Yeah, I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing here.
0: So Jesus says to Peter, to Simon, Satan has demanded to have y'all. So who's y'all here in this context?
1: Uh, either the apostles or all followers. Right, or but, so
0: it's at the Last Supper. Yeah. So it's to have the, Mm -hmm. Satan has demanded to have all of, of all 'all. all 'all, (laughs) y'all that he might sift all y'all like wheat. But I have prayed for you that when your faith, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brethren Mm -hmm. to Simon uniquely, Jesus says, strengthen your brethren. So when you've turned again, when you've, repented metanoia conversion because uh, he's about to deny mm-hmm, Jesus he's mm-hmm. hours away from denying Jesus right. but J- Jesus said I have prayed for you Simon in the singular Simon Satan's demanded to have all y'all but I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail
1: how do we know that's that's what it is i'm going to play a little devil's advocate here
0: because Luke, like all the gospel writers uh-huh. wrote in Greek Okay. and in Greek, um, as in many modern languages, mm-hmm. but not English, um, there, there's a, the way you say you plural is different from you singular. Okay. So, and
1: that's why I use the y'all, y- y'all. rather than the, because yeah, yeah. I know that a lot of people would ask that. Well, how do you know that?
0: Yeah, because yeah. that's what the actual inspired text, the Greek text, which mm-hmm. is the inspired text tells us. Okay. So it wouldn't make sense in an English translation for the English translators to say all y'all oh, or y'all. some very yin's as they say around Spitzburg. <laughs> Um But that's what it So Simon is, Jesus has prayed and are Jesus's prayers heard or not? Come on. Uh, I'm
1: pretty sure. That Simon's
0: <laughs> faith, his faith, he's, he's going to sin, sin horribly. He's going to deny Jesus, mm-hmm. but his faith Jesus' praise will not fail. So I think we have good confidence that Simon's faith will not fail, even though he's going to deny Jesus. And that he commands Simon, Peter, when you've turned, when you've repented, strengthen your brethren. You, Peter, have a particular job to strengthen your brethren. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't say that to all the apostles. He says that to Simon, Peter. You with me? I'm with you. Okay. So folks, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to, you're listening to Ignition. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and visiting today with Renee, Renee Kranz about particularly the biblical basis for the authority of the popes. And we're spo- focusing here on the authority of St. Peter in a particular way. Mm-hmm. At the very end, we're going to touch on, okay, Peter to the popes. Yeah, then, right. Okay. So the big one, the last one, I saved the best for last, um, Matthew 16 um, is... It, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter sixteen, verses thirteen and following, we talked about this Renee, a few months ago in the context of being not afraid and not being on the defensive. Mm-hmm. Remember, uh, do you remember? Why do I keep? I don't
1: know that? why you keep asking Thinking that. You remember things? I remember some things. To we talked, but we
0: didn't talk about this in the context of the authority of the Pope. Mm-hmm. But we want to today. So um, Jesus says to Simon Peter, um, what, "What?" This is Matthew sixteen, verse thirteen, and following. <clears throat> Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, "Who do men say that the Son of Man, who do men say that the Son of Man is?" And they said, "Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets." And he said to them, "But who do you say that I am?" And "Who do you all say that who I am?" Y'all. Simon Peter, surprise surprise, mm-hmm. replied, "You are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God." who do people say that I am? So son of man is the way that Jesus refers to himself. Mm-hmm. It's a hint at both his uh, identity as Messiah and actually God, mm-hmm. the subtle hint that he's God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and the they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, others, so Elijah, others, Jeremiah, but who do you, my closest followers, my apostles, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter again replies, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, Simon, son of John. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. So this is an inspiration that was given to you by my father in heaven, by the Mm -hmm. power of the Holy Spirit. You gave that answer to the inspiration of my father. And I tell you, you are no longer Simon. You are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Jesus changes Simon's name to in Greek... Again, the Matthew's gospel as well as written is written in, in Greek, Petros, mm-hmm. English Peter. Aramaic, uh, we see the Aramaic version of of, of Simon's new name in, in John's gospel and in um Acts and in Galatians, Kephas or right. Kepha. You are Peter, you are Kepha, you are Petros. And the word means. Rock. rock, right, and and Caesarea Philippi is where there's this massive. We talked about this before. Mm-hmm. This massive stone um, cliff, right, or, or, or there's this massive cliff um, with a cave at the base of it, and and the local rumor was that that was actually was the gate of hell, right, which is kind of what Jesus. So this massive rock face is there. So Jesus is a you know good storyteller, good good backdrop for where he changes Simon's name. To rock, so some tra- there there is a paraphrase of the Bible that says, uh, "I tell you, you are rocky, and on this <laughs> we're at rock I will build my church." And my <laughs> and my re- my joke is, and and Simon responded, "Yo,
1: <laughs> another dad joke." An- another <laughs> bad dad joke.
0: Bad <laughs> biblical dad jokes or bad dad biblical <laughs> jokes. Um, he changes his name in the Semitic culture. So, including the Jewish culture, your name says a lot. It says who you are and what you're called to do. Right. So, whenever a well known example of the Old Testament is Abram mm-hmm. to Abraham. When God changes somebody's name, it's a change somehow of, of identity and mission. Right. So, Simon had been, this man, this fisherman from Galilee, had been named Simon by his parents. Jesus of Nazareth changes Simon's name to rock because he has a new identity and with it a new mission. Right. You are Peter, you are rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. So even, so Jesus is the cornerstone. We started off this episode. He is the authority. He is the foundation. Mm-hmm. And yet there is a way in which he builds his church on the rock that is rocky. Right. Kepha, Petros, Peter. Peter. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on shall be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on shall be loosed in heaven. So, just real briefly, because I do want to turn to. Are you okay, going to talk
1: about the keys? Because that's gonna, my favorite. That's one. what
0: I'm going to talk about. Awesome. So, real briefly, okay. the keys. So, back in Isaiah 22, um, during the this is the Davidic Empire, uh, kingdom mm-hmm. era. So, King David, and now he's he, he's he's long since dead. This is um a few century, couple centuries at least after king david's time um he's long since dead there's a new one of his descendants there's a davidic king um ruling but we read in isaiah 22 verse 22 and following just because of time I'm going to paraphrase it there's reference to this figure who has the keys to the kingdom mm-hmm. and he is in effect the prime minister of the davidic kingdom Mm -hmm. so there is the king david's descendant but the davidic king has entrusted the administration of his kingdom to this prime minister Mm -hmm. type figure and the symbol of the prime minister's authority is the fact that he literally carries keys right
1: Bigger keys than we have now. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like
0: apparently keys that you would put over your shoulder, and oh. apparently, like this is well, early in the twentieth century, still people saw people carrying their keys over. People who had authority would carry their keys over their shoulder. Mm-hmm. Even in twentieth century, early twentieth century, Palestine just saw some wow. reference to that recently. So, so but way back in the day, thousands of years ago, they had a massive key which symbolized their authority to administer the kingdom to oversee the kingdom on behalf of the king. The prime minister is not the king, but he's been given, delegated by the king, Mm -hmm. the authority to oversee the kingdom. Jesus is the new David. He is the Davidic king par excellence. He is our Lord Jesus Christ, king of the universe. And he, in Matthew 16, delegates administrative authority to Peter in particular. To the other apostles later, he he gives them also the authority to bind and loose. Mm -hmm. We read that later in Matthew's gospel, but here that's given to Peter in particular. So Peter is playing the role of the Old Testament Davidic kingdom prime minister. Mm -hmm. Anything that you want to add to that? That's that's, to me
1: one of the most obvious ones. Like it's like right there
0: right so so it really
1: delineates the pope from jesus yes
0: now it does right the there. pope from jesus yeah. and the fact that there is biblically there was a figure where the king mm-hmm. delegated his authority to this this figure. And now this is going to be the bridge and we're going to wrap up with this in the few minutes we have left. This was a role prime minister that could be passed on from one man to the next. And that's also what we read about in Isaiah 22, where the 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 role of prime minister is going to be taken from one man and given to another. So it's an office that can be held. Right by more than, not one more than one man at a time, but it's an office that's, if you will, passed down.
1: Right, it's from not a one, person, it's an office. Exactly, Yes.
0: yeah. So um, there was Shebna, who, from whom the office is taken, um, and Eliakim is going to receive that office. Mm-hmm. So the office of prime minister is taken from Shebna and given to Eliakim, right. okay? <clears throat> Similarly, in Acts chapter one, we read, Simon leads the charge, Judas has to be replaced. Mm-hmm. Judas has the office of apostle, but but his role has to be replaced, and and they cast lot. They pray about it, cast lots, and Matthias becomes the new. So the point there is not the role of apostle is also one that is uh, an office that can, if you will, be passed on to another individual. Mm-hmm. So that's where we get bishops from, right? But we also get that for so. We get that for the Pope because the Pope is the Bishop of Rome, right? So p- Peter, the minute we have left, clearly this is the uh, clear evidence. Generally in the Gospels and Acts of the Apostles, the New Testament, um, particularly in in John chapter twenty-one, Luke twenty-two, and Matthew sixteen, we we're see we see that Peter is given unique authority to administer Jesus's church, his kingdom on earth. Um, just as the prime minister Mm -hmm. was given that authority by the Davidic king. Mm -hmm. Pope's not the king, but he's the king's prime minister. He acts on his behalf. And that role biblically of the prime minister to the king was one that could be passed on from one man to the other. And that's what we see in the early churches. Well, we didn't have time to get into that, but time and time again, we see how the office of the Bishop of Rome is the one that's passed down. And we see the Bishop of Rome, even in the first century, intervening in other churches, even established by Peter. Right. right. He has universal authority. Who says that? Going back to your answer very Jesus early on. Jesus says. Jesus says that. <laughs> A lot more we could say about that. If you're interested, we could do another episode on that. But I think that gives a good basis, Renee.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think it does.
0: Great. Renee, thanks again for being here once again.
1: You bet. And
0: folks, that will wrap up this episode. Again, if you have questions about this topic, ideas for a future topic, please email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org. And until next time, may God bless you.